The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Repack, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm violently hungover. I'm joined by Evatex Western. Say what's up to the people, Tex. What's up, everybody? Man, uh, today was today was a lot of fun. That was... Happy New Year. 2023 is going to be a good one, I feel like. Oh, my God. Good. What a what a day. What a game. 41-17, Packers win over the Vikings. It's It was a good day. I can't remember how many times the Packers have played on New Year's Day, but I've been violently hung over twice for it. <laughs> and the other time that I can remember is the Matt Flynn game. Oh man. The Matt Flynn game was on New Year's Day too. That's that's right. I forgot that that was a that was that was a fun one too. But man. No, I I am not violently hung over. Um we I I as many people know, I live in in Buckeye country and uh I have many Buckeye fan friends, obviously of which I am not one. But uh, that was a uh, a rough one for them last night with that that kick going wide left right as the the ball dropped. Yeah, I Eastern, didn't realize in the Eastern time zone. Yeah. I didn't realize that until because I'm West Coast time. I didn't realize that right. until I saw Twitter and they're like, it happened like as the clock struck midnight. I was like, oh my goodness. I I, I was seeing somebody around Columbus was saying that one of the bar they were at just had it scheduled that they released balloons at midnight. Like right <laughs> as the right, right as that kick goes wide. Like, oh, oh no. That's that's rough. But they uh, gotta move the game off of New Year's Eve, right? It I don't think it's I didn't like it. it. Yeah, it's I be... just remember watching Kelly Bryant play on New Year's Eve. And I'm like, <laughs> as I'm getting ready and I was like, why is this being played right now? Yeah, it's gonna be real interesting to see how they do it when they go to the the twelve team playoff in a couple of yeah. years and what that scheduling looks like. And you know, are they gonna still do the semis around this time and do the quarters a week or two earlier? I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued. I, I still, you know, my dream of having like a Florida come to Wisconsin for a, like an eight nine matchup in the middle of December is still uh, something I really want to see. So I don't know. We'll see. A couple of years down the road, but. Packers. Packers win forty-one <laughs> seventeen. Oh my Two God. of those touchdowns were garbage time. One Kirk was throwing against our backups. Don't understand why they let uh the Vikings offense stick in for for an extra drive. Um best game of the season top down. I, I think that's the easiest. I mean, they've been talking about complimentary football this entire season and how they've been all out of whack. I think maybe the Bearers game is the only other time, like up until that, like the very end when they were getting ran all over the first Bears game. Yeah. Um, that the both sides of the ball were playing pretty well. I, 
This was the one. This is the best yeah. coverage I've seen. They have uh they had them down, the Packers down for 10 PBUs uh in the <laughs> game. Um oh my God. that's nice. I mean, they got three picks on top of that. The run game was basically non-existent. Um Kirk Cousins was a yard away from leading the team in rushing. You know, Alexander Madison was held to 38 yards, Dalvin Cook 27. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen combined for 31 yards, uh, two receptions uh, on nine two targets. catches, one catch each for those two. Crazy. Jair hit the gritty. On, yeah. Uh, on Justin Jefferson. That was great. Jair, there, talk your shit, dude. Oh man. There, there are Vikings fans who are very, very mad online about the fact that Jair did not get a taunting penalty for that play or for that, uh, for dancing in his face. And I don't care. <laughs> that does seem, uh, he's going to get fined, right? He has to. I'm sure. I mean, if they find Alan Lazard, it's, yeah, for that's the three, my the thinking. counting to three. Yeah, it'll it'll happen. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jefferson gets fined for taking his helmet off, helmet off in the field and making contact with an official. So, yes. you know, that that goes both ways. They swallowed the whistles and and, and kept the flags for in the sure. pockets both ways. There was a lot of contact going on in the secondary for both teams, and uh, none of it got called. So they were letting them play. Yeah, I don't think it's surprising. That the way the game was officiated, Kirk Cousins only finished with 205 yards, which again, that includes that garbage time touchdown drive. And Rodgers only finished with 159. Like they were at least the Packers, um, when they were trying to get or when they were getting man, when they were getting pressed, they were trying to hit shot plays and they were just getting draped on on those ones, getting held, yep. pulled, all sorts of stuff. Their long of the day was a throw to Robert Tunyon for 24 yards. And then the only other guy who caught a pass over 11 yards was one to Alan Lazard. So, like, kind of puts it into perspective. Like, these guys weren't getting open deep. Um, Minnesota, just from, like, a schematic standpoint, they are playing a ton of quarters early on in the game. And Green Bay was just like, okay, we'll just run it with Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones finished the game with uh, 14 carries, 111 yards. I think there was a point where, like, then like the first eight touches of the game or something like that all went to Aaron Jones before they gave handoff to AJ Dillon at one point. So that was kind of the game plan. It was all right, you're gonna play us in quarters, we're gonna run the ball, you're gonna play us a man, we're gonna take shot plays. It's kind of what it was. Yeah, I think it was at halftime. I mean, Packers were up, what was it, twenty seven to three, and Rogers had like eighty three passing yards or something like that. Yeah. Um and I, I wanna I, I did the I did look it up. And pack is the first time the Packers got a touchdown on all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams since the blowout over the Eagles in 2014, that game had a Micah Hyde punt return touchdown. And then uh interception return from Julius peppers and a fumble return from uh, Casey Hayward on defense. So um yeah, that was fun. I think, uh, John Meerdink found that there was a uh, one in the 2010, the Super Bowl season too, the Cowboys game. There was a, um, and I think it was a, a fumble return on a muff punt or something on special teams. And then like a pick six. So that was cool. That was <laughs> man. Keyshawn Dude. sign this guy, lock him up. My God. He's, he's, uh, I looked it up. Uh, he's on a stretch of 95 plus kick return yards. Uh, seven games in a row. I wanted to say, um, Yep. Only six other guys in NFL, or five other guys in NFL history have done it, and uh, only uh, two have had more. They both had nine. So, I mean, we're legitimately watching a, a level of consistency that is historic. And 
I mean, he was supposed to be banged up coming into this game. He said in the post-game presser, like, he didn't think he was going to be able to go, and he was all sad all week. And then, you know, he started, He woke up today and started feeling, like, really healthy and was like, okay, let's do it. That's nuts. He has the longest kick return in the NFL three weeks in a row. He had a, the 50-yarder two weeks ago, the 94-yarder last week. And, now... and isn't he, like, not being voted special teams player of the week and stuff? It's I mean, he damn up, he's getting it this week. He like, better. There's, there's no way that that you can you can deny it to him he at this point. He didn't just run. He didn't run on the kick return touchdown. Yeah, he was on a brisk jog. <laughs> Come on, that was uh, that was amazing. Oh my god, there was some funky personnel stuff in this game, which started with uh, Ramiz Ahmed, who got called up from the <laughs> practice squad to be the kickoff specialist basically for this game um we don't see him at all the game starts with like that weird like squib from mason crosby where they obviously they weren't um what's the name Nwengwu? i can't i can't remember how you say yeah. his name um he's a really good kick returner um they obviously did not want to give him very many opportunities and you're like well why the hell is mason crosby still kicking off and why are they doing squibs when yeah. they called up ahmed and then at halftime they announced like he had a groin injury which like he didn't get into the game. So like, obviously Ahmed must've pulled his groin uh, in, in the warmups, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it also explains why they sent Crosby out there for that 55 yarder at the end of the first half. Man, too. I did not think he was going to be able to hit. I didn't know. Nope, nope. I was, I was, I mean, it hit the crossbar. Like, okay. It was like, we found <laughs> it. We found his range. Yep. They were saying from the sideline reporter was saying, Crosby hadn't hit one from that long, even in warmups. Yeah. So it's like, holy crap. Man. Can we, can we officially call him Mason crossbar now? We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> speaking Gosh. of, speaking of kicking Greg Joseph. You think two of them. Rough day. Yeah. Rough day at the office. Him and the Ohio state kicker. Oh man. I mean, both of them were long ones, but um, I think I, if I remember right too, he's the only other kicker besides Crosby and, um, whoever it was earlier this season who did it to, to or Matt Gay for the Rams, who's got, who is hit from 50 plus when it was like below freezing at Lambeau. Hmm. I think Joseph did it a couple, a uh, couple of years ago. Um, if I remember right, but yeah, didn't have it today. <laughs> Jeez. No, did not. Yeah. Uh, we have gone uh, this far without talking about playoffs. Holy crap. Uh, yeah. By the way, the Green Bay Packers, they're, in the driver's seat right now. Technically, if you look at all the tiebreaker things, if it's a three-way tie between the Seahawks, Lions, and Packers, uh, the Seahawks would get in, which is why you're seeing seven seed and all the graphics is the Seattle Seahawks. Here's the thing. The Lions and Packers are playing next week, so it's not yep. going to be a three-way tie. Um, what ends up happening is if Green Bay wins, they're in. If Detroit wins next week against the Packers, they need Seattle to also lose to get into the playoffs. Seattle just needs Green Bay to win and them to win. So that's the race at the end. The Green Bay Packers are in control of their own destiny, which is crazy when, what, they were eight and four a month ago? Four and eight, yeah. Oh, four and eight. My bad. I got, <laughs> I got it mixed up. Was a well, four, dyslexia. four and eight and, you know, coming into that, in that Bears game, they were down by nine, like, early in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. This, this team has... It feels like they have no business uh, even being in this race. And now, like you said, it's it's crystal clear. Win one game and you're in. And that's my uh, 
that's my victory bourbon tonight. I'm celebrating with a uh, uh, a new riff rye made with crystal malt because the pathway is crystal clear. Win the damn game. <laughs> we don't know when that game is going to be yet. I expect it's probably going to be announced sometime in the next like hour or so as we record it. Um, because who knows? Maybe we'll break some news here in in a few minutes. Uh, what time that uh, that Packers Lions game is? But uh, yeah, thanks Browns. Browns came yep. through and. Uh, knocked off the commanders to to open the pathway uh because as as we've been talking about for weeks now packers needed the commanders to to start losing down the stretch and they're oh three and one in their last four so they've gotten and then you know that coming in after basically everything going right for the packers on christmas eve last week so makes it very easy just beat just beat those lions in the snow in lambeau the packers since week after week nine after week nine so i guess since week 10 have averaged 28 and a half points per game mm-hmm. in the first nine games of the season they didn't score 28 points they didn't do it once that's what i was talking with a reef um for those of you that listened to the intercepted and i'm like that's the big difference between this packers team right like they can score now and i know a lot of that was on defense too but like our defensive special teams but score 41 points man like yeah. they're able, they're they're able to move the ball down the field. They know who they are. They aren't stuck in the like crappy pony just running zone bubble stuff. And they even had a wrinkle in this week. You you were talking about it. Um, the damn, it was like a triple option except for Rodgers yeah. had no like he was <laughs> never gonna keep it. Basically, yeah. is what that was. I think that was like the only snap out of pony that I saw. Um, defensively. Seemed like what the game plan was. I was talking with a dude who used to work in the league um, during the game and talking about like how they're handling Jefferson. And the way he explained it to me was like, if the, he, if Jefferson was outside, they were going to play cloud coverage, which is like, think of if, if you're, if you've played like Madden or anything like that, right? Like cover two stuff where, you know, you have like a squat zone corner and then you have a safety over the top also playing a zone. So it's like, uh, kind of double covered, but like, uh, you can run another guy into the zone and then it kind of like turns into one on ones. It's just making sure there's like no, no free releases basically on Jefferson when he was the outside guy. And then when he was the inside guy, they bracketed him like legit playing man coverage, two guys. I'm yeah. handling him if he goes left, you're handling him if he goes right, like that type of stuff. So, I mean, it worked. They were doing some funky stuff in the second half. Like it was pretty clear that they had adjusted to that. Like they were running him on jet motion a lot of times and just like kind of moving Jefferson around instead of being like stagnant. So, I mean, maybe if they play in the playoffs, um, it looks a little different from Minnesota side. I'm sure Green Bay will try to replicate it at the very least, but I, I think they kind of spent that card, but it's a, it was a good card to spend. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You you had to break it out now with with every game being a must have. Um, what I loved was that they, I mean, it it Jair was on him a lot on Jefferson yeah. in this game. Um, I know you had uh, next gen stats had it, yes, lot. and that was what I was going to go to is is he was jamming him. There were a couple of of those those presses where, I mean, he he full on knocked him to the ground, um, yeah. and did not did not let him you know not even just get a clean release, but did not you know, let him up off the ground if uh, right off the line of scrimmage. So that, uh, that definitely seemed to have a, a huge impact. And um, did I, Joe Barry kind of actually can adjust 
at least. Or or is or are we putting this on? Did he Gray save his and, fucking you know, job? He might I save his job. don't know. I think I it's... think the door is open for him to save his job. If I mean Lafleur, yeah, still not makes excuses, but is like basically like I'm asking Joe to run this defense. Like I'm he he, he basically makes it sound like it's always an execution problem. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. There were a lot of weird things in this game on defense. Um, Nixon didn't play the slot in this game, which is the role he's kind of usually played. Uh, Gaines was actually playing the nickel, which is what we saw at the end of the game last week. Um, Savage, again, got the look at safety. Uh, Ford, you know, was benched last week, and then that was kind of a change. Ford came in for some, some uh, three safety looks. Like, I remember specifically the Quay Walker roughing play. Uh, Ford was on the field, and I was like, how did he get involved in that tackle? If you look at the beginning of the play, he's not even on the screen because he's playing deep middle of the field safety while the other two safeties are kind of playing a little bit shallower at like 10 yards. Um, Because of Lowry being, you know, on IR and stuff like that, they switched around their defensive line. It looked like Slayton was starting at nose tackle and Clark was playing kind of a DN role. Wyatt was still coming off the bench, which I was kind of surprised about. Um, they didn't activate another defensive lineman, so they only came into the game with four. And they had to use all the four of those guys basically immediately. I mean, that um, blocked punt, you know, they they get it in goal line, and they're having to play goal line defense. All their defensive line, all their available defensive linemen were on the field, and they were all making plays. Um, yep. Thought, thought uh, Jaron Reed played pretty well. I mean, yeah. this is pretty – this is easily the best two-game stretch for Reed um, during the season. We've seen flashes from Wyatt. That Slayton played great today. Kenny Clark had Slayton, some stuff. Like, man, Slayton was a beat. I mean, he had he had the one tackle for loss. I think it was on the third down on that goal line stand. Uh, knocked down two passes at the line of scrimmage. One of them that got t- that he tipped up for a pick. Like he was a he was a monster on the inside. Yeah. And this is, I mean, we've been we've been clamoring for both him and Wyatt to be getting more snaps all season long. I know I've you know I've been talking about give give Kenny some three tech snaps and put Slayton on the nose and play those two guys together. And you saw it today. And that's again, self-scouting where, where, why did the Packers (laughs) not realize that this was, you know, a a solid combination and a good, a good unit to put out there that, that frustrates me to no end that they continued giving the guy who does not have uh, is not producing the snaps in, in a guy like Lowry and, Obviously, feel bad for the guy that he's that he's hurt now, but this may be end up being an upgrade with uh, the way they they use the linemen today in this game. I know people like Jared Montgomery. He was a very young coach when he was the defensive line guy at Michigan and Oklahoma. Um, you know, he has the run game coordinator tag now, which was just added this past off season. But I feel like some of that has to come down to him, right? Yeah. It can't. I, it can't all be like from. From like a, especially at that position where the guys are getting rotated in and out, like that's not really a coordinator's job either. Like the coordinator's mm-hmm. trying to call the defense. As a line coach, you're you're kind of in charge of like the rotation and stuff. Some of that has to be on his plate. It has to be. He's not exempt from this. And I know a lot of people don't think of positional coaches, right? We just kind of put them under the umbrellas of like whoever the top offensive coach or top defensive coach is. But Montgomery is the guy that I kind of have question marks about because it seems like Jerry Gray can get stuff out of, out of these DBs and stuff like that. And obviously like when Mike Smith was here, right. Like we could tell like, Oh, he's coaching up these outside linebackers really well. And even in green Bay right now, like I don't even, I can't even remember who's the linebackers coach, but 
I mean, you're getting Hollins to play pretty well, and and Kingsley is making an impact as a rookie. Like, you're doing right. a pretty good job. The defensive line coach is the one where I'm like, the heck's going on here, man? Yeah. You should have been able to figure this thing out. <laughs> yeah, and Wyatt continues to be the one that, that baffles me to this point, right? I mean, yeah. finally sets a, a career high in snaps last week with 24 when Lowry goes out. be interesting to see what that rotation looked like with those four guys in terms of uh, the fewer. snap counts. Yeah, it it didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel like he was on the field a ton in this game. Again, he made a couple of nice plays. Um, I think he only ended up with like one tackle, but it was. Um, I, I think it was a, a. I can't remember if he had a, a pressure in the in on Cousins or if that tackle he made was like a, a no gain at the line of scrimmage or something. Anyway, um, you know he did seem you know again to be disruptive and. Um, Again, he's at least an NFL defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, and uh, God knows we we need some more of those. And and yeah, I the the instant I saw the inactives come out today, I'm like, well, clearly Jonathan Ford is not ready to play in the <laughs> NFL if he yeah. can't get in this game. It, it, the the front office is so good in terms of pro personnel too. Yeah, the, they're they're the worst thing they do is not hitting the waiver wire more and just having these rookies play but i mean they believed in Tariq carpenter and carpenter is being like he's a solid a really solid special teams guy right now and that dude was not good in, in college and they just bet on height weight speed, weight speed and we're like coaches coach him up and when he's ready he'll be on the field and it's kind of worked out for him yeah i don't i don't certainly don't blame him for taking a flyer on a guy like that in the seventh round of the draft um but then if you know he, if he goes out in the preseason and he looks like he can't play yeah it's probably a practice squad player not a you know back well ford was getting out snapped by heflin who's not even on the practice (laughs) right that's true um speaking of a guys guys with a few tackles on the stat sheet zadarius smith three tackles and that's the only thing that's on there no tfls no sacks no qb hits no pressures no pass deflections you love (laughs) to see it he ran to the locker room immediately after the game (laughs) He was named one of the captains for the game by the Vikings. Did not give out a handshake uh, at the coin toss. He was just MIA. I joked, someone asked, like, is he even on the field? I was like, it's impossible to know. (laughs) Yeah, what a a petty guy. And uh, to to do it with, you know, in a game where you were basically entirely invisible. Um, After the way he kind of wrecked that first game in Minnesota in week one, that was that felt really really good to just see this offensive line completely shut him down and and ha- have him make zero impact on the game whatsoever. And I'm interested to see the all 22 on that because it's not like the Vikings weren't getting pressure. It was just Daniel Hunter the entire time. I and mean, yeah. Daniel got Bakhtiari early on that play action play. Um, where I mean, he's just in Aaron Rodgers' lap almost immediately, and then he got Tom another time. Um, Tom ended up playing right tackle. Nyman got pulled pretty quickly. It was weird because Nyman, so this is how it went. Nyman starts, right? He gets pulled pretty quickly. Tom comes in, but Nyman is still on field goal team. So that means he's healthy enough to at least line up and step down. Um, And then when they put their backups in for that last drive, Nyman wasn't even involved. It it was uh, Tanuda, I think, and then Tom that were playing the tackles. Um, After the game, LaFleur was like, yeah, he was cleared to go back into the game, but like 
it was just two games in a row that he had been hurt. And it was just like, yeah, let's, let's not, it's not worth it, especially at this point. So it sounds like Nyman will be healthy for next week, but just, I still don't understand why he was playing field goal team then. I mean, that's the one where it's like, you can get rolled on super weird. Your teammate can like just get bent back right on top of your knee. Like that's, it's not fun. It's not fun being on, on field goal protection. Yeah. No, that was a weird one. Um, I mean, obviously, the other guys who were injured last week, right? Nixon, we talked about, um, made big impact. Um, Watson played, didn't play like, I, I wasn't targeted a ton. I, I look, when he look at was, the, he was getting held. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> also true, right? Yeah, they 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 tried a couple of those deep shots to him. I guess he did have, have uh, five targets in the game and only caught one pass for eleven yards, so it didn't end up being a, a huge factor. But obviously. You know, Packers were running the ball a ton and, you know, pretty much running it at will during the the middle part of the game. So, um, yeah, it was it was nice to to at least have that emotional lift of having Watson and Nixon, you know, be be ready to go and play. And really all those guys, aside from from Lowry going on IR, um, being active for this game, even though, you know, Nyman didn't really end up playing much. I'm looking at. So the Vikings have a two percent chance of winning the Super Bowl on 538. The Packers, with a 62% chance to make the playoffs, are at about 1%. That's funny. <laughs> we, I mean, we basically have the same chance that the Vikings do, and yeah. we're not even promised to make the playoffs. How many, I, again, I'm asking, how many of these teams are we worried about? So the ELO rankings at 538 in the NFC, it goes Niners, Cowboys, who we've already beat, Eagles, who we almost uh, we were able to score against at yep. the very least, and now Jalen Hurts is is all banged up and stuff. I mean, they just lost to the Saints today, um, and then the Vikings, who we've also beaten. So we've beaten two of the four teams ahead of us, kept it close with the other one, and the Niners have Brock Purdy, and the Niners just gave up thirty four points to the Raiders today to yeah. a Jarrett Stidham, Stidham. quarterback Raiders team. Like I know that I know Devonte went off in that game for like 150 and two touchdowns, but that's a that makes me think that that you might be able to find some some room to maneuver, and especially with the Packers finding a little bit of an identity on offense, that's a that that doesn't scare me as much as it did you know a couple of weeks ago, and certainly with the the Brock Purdy factor either. I I know we're playing with house money at this point because again, I mean we were four and eight a month ago. But like, uh, yeah. this team could go on a run, maybe. <laughs> and it's not because the team is super good. I mean, I think they're playing better in the secondary over the last two weeks. I think they're getting for some sure. some stretches out of this defensive line that they haven't had for the entire season. And I think the offense can score points. And Keyshawn Nixon's a difference maker. And I think that's enough. Where it's like, yeah, they can keep you with, keep you in the fight with some of these teams. I still, sure. the dream is beating Minnesota twice in three weeks. I haven't figured out exactly uh, how that works. What the, do the Niners have to lose next week? Yes. That's, that's my understanding is the Niners lose uh, the Eagles. Probably. I think the Eagles have to win. Um, Eagles oh, win. The Niners get the, the Niners get the three seed quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, I don't, I don't. I don't think we have to worry about that. But yeah, that would be the scenario: is is Niners lose, Vikings win, and then I think, I think Eagles have to. Um, no, actually, now that I think about it, the other the other chance would be I think if there's a three way tie 
between the Vikings, um, 49ers, and Cowboys. If the Cowboys win the East, then there's a chance that it might go Niners, Vikings, Cowboys. But hmm. that don't don't quote me on that one. I gotta I gotta play around with the uh, the ESPN playoff machine and, and confirm that. Um, but no, the the easiest way is Eagles win, Niners lose, Minnesota wins, Minnesota gets the two seed. I since we were talking about the Raiders a little bit. Do you know, so when, have you noticed that like uh, the, what do you call them? Like sporting goods stores, I think is what you call them, um, have, like they, they put jerseys on sale when they know some sort of <laughs> modification is coming to a jersey, right? Like I, I remember like there was, uh, uh, there was like this weird Chargers thing a couple years ago where they made like the slightest modification to a jersey and they just like put all of them on sale and stuff like that. Um, and then they do it when they think someone's going to end up getting moved, right? Yep. I saw, did you see the thing that I'm about to talk about? The, no. Uh, okay. There were three wondering, jerseys. I'm, oh, man. Three jerseys uh, for the Raiders that were put on sale. It was Derek Carr, who obviously no surprise. got yeah. benched. Uh, Josh Jacobs, who had the frustrating kind of meltdown in the locker room, you know, a couple of weeks ago where he's like, we're doing the same thing over and over and over. And he's going to be a free agent in the off season. So right. probably not, probably not coming back. And is it? And <laughs> Darren Waller. Oh, what do we think about that? The Packers tried to trade for him at the deadline. They tried to trade for him two times this off season. I don't know what the cap ramifications for that are. I haven't looked at it uh, necessarily, but like, I don't know if the Raiders are going to rebuild already. Like, give us Darren Waller. That could be that could be a lot of fun. Um, let's see, Waller's cap hit is something between twelve and fifteen million for the next four seasons. And um, you could probably convert for, that. Like, that's yeah. probably what they would do immediately. Yep. yep. And also, they could probably afford to do that. Like, even if they weren't trying to uh, convert his his full salary, like. Yeah, the Packers have cap space this offseason, and they don't have a lot of open roster spots. They're right. in a they're in a good spot to take a couple, maybe not big swings, but like sizable, measurable swings. Yeah, well, and we've talked about it in the past that what's the the impact player at at you know, impact position that most significantly affects this offense in the offseason assuming Rodgers comes back is it you know is it another receiver to go with Watson and Dobbs probably not it's probably an elite receiving tight end and those are the only two spots you can really get better yep I mean you're not going to get better at running back you're not going to get better at quarterback the offensive line is I mean unless you're willing to push Josh Myers it's not going to get better on the offensive line I don't think so yep I mean maybe uh, I guess TBD asterisk on on Bakhtiari and what's going to happen there, but yeah. no, I mean, if you can get a pass catcher like that, and relatively he's on a discount because on paper it says he's a tight end instead of a wide receiver, go do it. Yep, yeah, and that'd be they, fun. They've shown a history of liking that specific guy yeah. too, right? I mean, they've tried to trade for him three times, so <laughs> I'd be uh... excited. That'd be fun. Well, and yeah, the Raiders scheduled that deal with a pretty small uh, signing bonus so that they can mm-hmm. either cut or trade him pretty much at any point and, you know, never have more than about a, a three quarters of a million dollars in dead cap. So eh? Eh? do we, do we feel bad for Devante? 
No, I don't. I don't think I do. <laughs> I think he just. I really do think. Well, one, I think the relationship between him and Goot wasn't very good. That's yep. off of hashtag sources, and I've talked about that on the pod before. Um, and then I think the other thing is just he really did want to go back home. He wanted to be on the West Coast, and I, yeah. and I guess Vegas isn't on the coast, but you know, you guys know what I mean. It's just easier for his family to travel, and it's not really been something that they can do to in Green Bay and stuff like yeah. that. So, and you've got the Derek Carr factor too, and that's if anything, like that's the part that maybe I feel a little bit bad for him for is that now suddenly the the Raiders are ready to move on from Carr and yeah. uh, he didn't expect that rug to kind of get pulled out from under him at, before the end of the, the first season that those two guys get to play together in the NFL. But and that's what about was, the only thing. Did you see the, yeah, I, I'm sure you uh, must've seen a clip of it. The Deshaun Kaiser like interview yeah. that went around a while ago, or it was talking <laughs> yeah. about him and Rogers talking about like lizard people and stuff like, like weird conspiracies and stuff like that. I ended up watching that thing. It was like three hours. It was a, I, I learned, dude, that guy does not like football. I, yeah. That's not a negative thing. That dude was just like not – it did not seem like he was committed in the way that you need to be committed if you're going to be an NFL quarterback. And that is what it is, whatever. He is extremely talented. He seems happy now, whatever. Um, but he was talking about how when Gruden was talking to him, he made it sound like it was this weird plan of like, we're going to be in Oakland, you're going to sign here, because he was on the practice squad, right? Um, Kaiser was. And he was like, yeah, we're going to bring you on to the team. And then it's going to be like the Mariota and you offense. And we're, when we get to Vegas, it's going to like transition to like more of like a spread option thing. And then I guess Carr bought himself a little bit more time and stuff. And it's like, huh. what the hell is going on there? Because that, that has to be something that you have to have a conversation with the owner about if you're making those type of decisions. It just seems like yeah, they were never really sold on Carr after a couple of years. Like that 2016 yeah. Season where they won on those close games at the end. I don't know. Since then, it's never been like they've fully been invested. Even when you look at, like, Carr never even got like the Dak Prescott contract. You know what I right. mean? Like, he never he got paid good money. He's getting paid more money than me or like anyone in my family combined will ever see. But it's yeah. not like he was being paid. Like the team had a ton of confidence in him. Yeah. Well, and it's it's the Raiders did that deal too, where there's a lot of non-guaranteed money the next couple of years. And it wasn't a real big signing bonus. So kind of the same way with Waller, they could cut him, you know, tomorrow and like save like $30 million in cap space and only have like a five and a half million dead cap next year. Um, That's a, that's a a weird way to go about it. That's, they, they seem to like to really blow up those base salary numbers in the later years of those deals, keep the the signing bonus low, guarantee a year or two of, um, of base, and then, you know, free up a little bit of opportunity to, to move on early in those deals if they really want to. And appears they will be with, uh, with him. And I don't know. I just don't know what direction they go in No, I mean, they're already what Gruden is, ha- has the lawsuit, right? So like the writers <sighs> might still have to like pay him even more and then are you going to buy out Josh McDaniels and then you're going to pay another coach on top of that and we know like Davis's money Mark Davis's money is like inherited football franchise money it's not like he's making money off of oil or something like that and then translated yeah. that into football like he's I don't know we'll see we'll see we'll see what it looks like I think that is one of the more directionless teams in the NFL right now. I mean, Jared Stidham just won a damn, or 
scored a bunch of damn points, right? And it's like, we know he's not the guy. What the hell? Like, you come away thinking, like, what was that even for? Yeah. Well, and they're not bad enough to have, like, a top quarterback pick either unless they mortgage everything moving forward, too. So, yeah, that's a weird, weird situation all around. All right. um, Let's take a break, and then we'll come back with Vibe Tracks. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back. All right, offensive side of the ball. Aaron played probably his worst game of the season, and they scored 41 points. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, Jones Jones looks healthy again. He's not on a pitch count. That's something that's really important. I think Dylan was a little up and down uh, during the game. I think Lazard was catching the ball cleanly a whole lot better than uh, in previous weeks. You know, Watson – if uh, the referees had any intention of throwing a single flag the entire night, his his numbers probably look a little bit better. Tunyon had that big play. Um, I like I like Deguara in the backfield. Yes, all that more I mean, more of that, please. It just seems like the offense is better when Deguara's in the backfield, man. Yeah. It really does. Like just run ISO a couple times a game. Like I'd <laughs> I'd much I'd much rather see. Um. AJ Dillon get a carry behind Deguara lead blocking somewhere than AJ Dillon getting these pitches or running pin and pull and stumbling over his own feet in the backfield and going for negative two. Yeah. That's what happens half of these plays. It's like, I don't know. It's not a bad idea. Just yep. think about using it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I keep harping on like third down efficiency and red zone efficiency and backers are pretty good today. They were seven out of 12 on third downs, which for you know, being over 50% this year is unheard of for this team. Um, two out of three in the red zone, scoring touchdowns, that's – I will take that. I'll be very happy with that. Um, yeah, I'm at like a – I'm at like a seven and a half on, feel, on vibes right good. now. I'm an eight, seven and a half, eight. Yeah. This um, this team is this team is going to move the ball on Detroit. I have I have no – I have no worries about that. Um there were 65 penalty yards in this whole game. Only wow. two two first downs from penalties. <laughs> one one reason, and the reason I would maybe hesitate on giving the defensive line so much credit uh, for this game is, one, they had a third-string center in, right, Chris Reed, yep. who's been like a reserve 
practice squad, like on the fringes of NFL rosters, basically his entire career. And he had a couple mess ups in the game. And then Ezra Cleveland, who had he got a little jumpy a couple times. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he had a holding penalty on one of them too. Um which by the way, we 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 jinxed him. We jinxed John Runyon Jr. Yeah, we did it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. I brought I brought it up with the reef last week. <laughs> I brought it up with him last week. Uh, we did yeah. it. Well, John Sorry. Runyon Jr. or John Runyon Sr. is the one who's going to have to give Jair the the fine, right? I, I think believe he's the guy. so. That sounds right. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the offensive side of the ball. Like seven and a half, um, certainly could have done better in the uh, passing game, but like scored four, 41 points. The offensive line looks solid, even though you know Tom had to play what his fourth position of the year or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, the the passing operation just actually looked smooth on third downs. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazard being the third down machine. It was the shot plays that really down. killed him. I mean, the yep. fact that – and it was the way that it was officiated, and it was officiated the same on both sides, so, like, you can't right. really bitch about it. But, like, it kind of played into Minnesota's hands where they were like, oh, we'll just play man and just get a little rough with these guys on the outside. Right. Yeah. Defensively – this was their best game. I really do think that. I Amos, agree. hands down. The safeties, I think, played their best game specifically between Savage and Amos and Ford when he was on the field. Um, the inside linebackers never got, like, exposed in this game. Right. Yeah. I was kind of happy about Like, there were a couple times. I mean, I guess, like, whenever a team stays on the field for a while, like some of those drives when they got turnovers and stuff, linebackers aren't looking great. And you're just like, Devondre, dang it. Why'd you do that? But like, it wasn't like he was getting driven 10 yards off the ball or he was just losing guys on the edge in space or anything like that. I thought Quay was playing pretty good. Surprisingly, uh, so three guys tied at the top with eight tackles. The fourth guy had five tackles in this game. Do you want to guess who it was? So the top three were Amos, Campbell, and Walker, all tied at eight. And then the, the fourth guy had five. Ah, jeez. I mean, Rasul? I don't know. Isaiah like, McDuffie. What? <laughs> yeah. And those last two drives when I they got the backups in. Oh, my God. He just he made every tackle. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought the defense looked really good. I, I think they're yeah. super thin, though. Um, They're, like, at every position, it feels like they're one injury away from yep. having a marked man on the field at this point. Hollins made some plays. Um, Enic Barre was kind of wiped out in this game, it felt like. Yeah. Um, even Didn't though. see him much. Yeah. The Vikings had a backup right tackle in, too, for a while. Um, it seemed like they were putting Preston up against uh, that right tackle for, for much of that yeah. second half, and Preston really wasn't doing a whole lot there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm maybe, you know, maybe I'm hoping we do get the Sunday night game. So primetime Preston shows up next week. <laughs> I'm excited too. I mean, LaFleur hasn't lost a regular season game in December or January when they have to play for something, right? They lost yeah. week 17 or week 18 last year, but they had already clinched the one seed and they benched their starters at the half. Right. I'm feeling good, man. Winning in, and it's like a eighteen and zero in in this situation. End of the season, like yeah. The team has made the adjustments. It just sucks that 
it takes him this long to make the damn adjustments now. Yeah. I mean, I felt like the early Lafleur was like, let's just throw shit out there. Oh, Alan Lazard is blocking really well and is making a difference at goal line stuff. Maybe we just have him in the base offense, like stuff like that. So, yeah, I think the defense, like in oh, how much of this do we think is sustainable? <laughs> seven, a seven, seven is where I'm at. Yeah, because the the Packers have twelve turnovers now in these this four game winning streak. That that's a trend, but. I, I just I always get wary when your defensive success is so heavily reliant on turnovers because we've seen a Packers defense that just gives up chunks and chunks and chunks of yardage and relies solely on turnovers to uh, to get their stops just fall apart in the postseason in the past, you know, specifically yeah. the 2011 team. So I, I'm that's my only reason for hesitation. But man, they they did everything they could today. And I mean, look at, looking at the stats, right? So yeah, the Vikings had 346 yards of total offense in this game, but of that 140 of of basically came in those last two drives. So yeah, before that, the Packers held the, the Vikings to basically like 220 yards of offense through three and a half quarters before they put their backups on the field. That's freaking great. And when you add four turnovers on top of that, um, yeah, that makes me that makes me feel pretty damn good. And um, my like my only hesitation with next week too is is you've got a really tough running game coming in for Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Williams had a huge game today, and yeah, that um, offensive line is a lot different than the Vikings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's going to be the biggest challenge I think next week is um, is trying to contain the the running game of the Lions. I think it's getting pressure on Goff. I just. He's been so efficient this year too, and it's yeah we've we've seen it right. I mean, we've seen it in the golf matchups. It's like if you can pressure him, he's gonna be very wonky. If you can't pressure him, he's just gonna sit back there, pat the ball, and and throw it to an open guy. Like you can't yeah. cover guys for super long. Um, I just saw a tweet from the Packers Twitter account: Keyshawn Nixon, a uh, hundred and five yard kick return, third longest in Packers history. Jeez, <laughs> who, who are the two guys? who did the bold move of returning it from the back half of the end zone and scoring a touchdown. Uh, I have no idea. Oh my I don't gosh. have an answer to this one. I'm just baffled I'm actually, that that's the third longest. So I might, I might do a post tonight or tomorrow on talking about the, the, the historic night with the, the three phase touchdown thing. Um, I'll have to go dig in and see if I can find that because I don't know. I'm my guts telling me like maybe an Alan Rossum was one was in there somewhere. Um, that's the only one that that comes to mind. Breaking news sounder: The Broncos have reached out to Jim Harbaugh, informing him they are interested <laughs> in talking to him about their open head coaching job. Oh. Um, so I heard a little rumbling about this after the end of the Michigan TCU game last night. I heard huh. somebody say, "Like, oh, is Jim going to have to go deal, like, figure out how to fix Russell Wilson next year?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" One holy crap. Jim Harbaugh and Russell Wilson meeting for the first time. Oh my god! It's definitely, it's like when two dogs meet, right? And they just like try to size each other up. That's like a top five. Oh, if I could be a fly on the wall moment. Yeah, for me. Um. So this is what I had heard about the Harbaugh thing. Condoleezza Rice is involved, um, in the Broncos search. She is a Stanford person. She helped with the Stanford search. Uh-huh. Put one and two together on the uh, Jim Harbaugh connection with Stanford and stuff like that. He really wanted to go to the NFL last year, but he bombed the interview with the Vikings. 
Like he basically walked into that interview thinking you're going to give it to me. And it seemed from what I had heard, the Vikings weren't impressed with the interview and they just decided to go with Kevin O'Connell. So um, interesting to watch if he, if he wants it, I'm sure he can have it. That is going to be a weird one. It'll be interesting to see. Oh, damn. He's going to keep Evero. Cause so that, that's one. Uh, of, all right. Let's talk about this. So Evero um, seems like what Denver is going to do. Evero is a defense coordinator for the, for the Broncos. He's a, Fangio guy, he's probably the most successful Fangio guy, right? He's more successful than Staley. He's more successful than Joe Barry, all that stuff. Even uh, Joe Barry's kind not really a Fangio guy. Right. But so Evero, it seems like what the Broncos are going to do is they're they're going to hire a head coach, but keep him as defensive coordinator, kind of as like the holdover in the same way the Packers did with Pettin. Because the thought is, why are we buying Evero out? And then we'll just get worse at defensive coordinator. Like, let's just yeah. keep him on. And Harbaugh and Fangio obviously have, have their history and stuff like that. So I'm sure if they wanted to do that, he'd vouch. It seems like yeah. uh, there was that rumor. This one I don't have hashtag source on. But there's that rumor that um, Fangio wants to be paired up with Sean Payton. And then I think today it came out the Saints are looking for a first-round pick in exchange for Payton because – Peyton retired, so he's technically still under contract for the Saints if he does return um, this offseason. So if he if he comes back this year, that's a first round pick. Next year, no one would have to give him give up anything for his rights. It's like a two year window um, where where that stuff happens. So I think that's kind of uh, where we're at um, in terms of the coaching cycle. Uh, Cleveland, their DC Woods is going to get canned. Um, apparently that's, I think I brought it up on the pod before that's the other team to circle, uh, when it comes to the Jim Leonard sweepstakes, seems like those are the two that, uh, uh, uh I mean, what's the def- definition of reached out, right? Like when yeah. agents and front office people are, are involved, what's the definition of reached out? I, I think <laughs> they're mutually keeping tabs on each other is kind of the way, right. way to kind of put it. So yeah. again, I, well, I still think Barry can play his way into keeping his job. I really do think so. If they win a playoff game, I think it's going to be hard to fire the DC in that situation. Yeah. As long as, as long as they don't win it, like, you know, 45, 40 or something like that. And, yeah. and they win it in spite of the defense. There's, there's a chance there. But um, the one that, that we had talked about before too, the college job that we were worried about with Leonard was Illinois. the Illinois job. Yeah. And uh, they Bielema made an internal hired, promotion. Yeah. Bielema yeah, hired a couple, one of his former Wisconsin defensive backs to be his DC, uh, Aaron Henry. So um, so that one's off the table. So yeah, it definitely, definitely feels like Leonard's going to be in the NFL next year, one way or another. Um, I think if we want him, we can get him. I agree. I think, I think so. that's, yep. I think and, it's a better job than Cleveland. Yeah. I'm um, especially considering all, or at least, at least for Leonard, it's a better job than Cleveland. For, for, for him, for sure. Right. He's been so uh, effusive about how much he loves the state of Wisconsin. He wants to stay. His family loves being, you know, being close to home and everything. So, you know, making that, that two hour drive from, from Madison to green Bay is a hell of a lot better than having to deal with uh, making the commute to Cleveland. Yeah. I guess the only questions if, so I've had this brought up to me. So if you're Leonard, I have two questions, one from Green Bay side, one from Leonard side. Green Bay side, let's start with that, is this guy hasn't coached in the NFL, right? That's a pretty important, uh, like, can you afford that transition, 
from a college guy to an NFL guy. He obviously played in the NFL though. So like that right. maybe that's almost well, and, like a question mark of a question mark. And he was the on-field brain of those Rex Ryan defenses. So right. I, right. I have I have a little less I yeah, I'm, too much concern about that. I'm less worried about that. But if you're looking at it from Leonard's perspective, I think the question mark is do I want that pressure immediately? Which is to say, if they can bury and you come in, you're going to be looked at as a savior up until September. And then yep. from September on, you're going to be asked to perform. And it's the, the end of a Aaron Rodgers, potentially an end of an Aaron Rodgers. He's going to come back next year. The yeah. end of <laughs> – that's not source. I just I just yeah. think he's going to come back. That's a, yeah. It's $60 million, dude. He's coming back. Right. Um, if you're Leonard, you're going to have to – like if they're not a top 10 defense immediately – it's going to be a disappointment. Yeah. That kind of sucks. And this is a very, this is a very young coach too. Mm -hmm. Right. So just something to think about. Yeah. Um, Special teams vibes, man. I got to start. I thought I I had the tweet. I was like, Oh God, there go the resurgent Packers special teams when they gave up the block punt that, that felt like the beginning of week one with like the drop from Watson and like in that moment, my like, great. The the Vikings are gonna score a touchdown on one play, they're gonna be up to a seven-nothing lead, and the wheels are gonna fall off and we're gonna be done. And that didn't happen. No. They held <laughs> quite, strong. Quite the opposite, right? Like and then you got your complimentary football, right? You got the stop on defense, and then Keyshawn does Keyshawn things. Yeah. Like God, yeah. I love him so much, dude. Oh, we man. we had the what was it last week? We had the post for the Wednesday walkthroughs and John asked yep. us um, what we would pay to keep Keyshawn. And I was like, yeah, the, the going rate is like two years, $12 million, I think. And then you guys were like, add the th- every comment from I there said on add, out was yep. add the third year, add the yep. third year. I don't care how much it costs. Bring him back. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay with overpaying on Dixon if it, yep. if it needs to be. He's he's still only 25 years old. That's part of the the equation for me is he's not going to turn 26 <sighs> until June. Like he's still a young dude and he also gives you like decent quality snaps on defense as a slot corner. Yeah. Like that's the that and the game-changing return ability, that's a valuable player. Yeah. Sign me up, man. 90 I mean think about it. 95 yards a game. In in it an age in the NFL where you yeah. don't return kickoffs. Yes, like everything so, goes just about everything goes in the end zone these days. So the Keyshawn thing I mentioned before, there's I can't remember if it's five or six other guys who who have done kind of what he's on a streak for doing. Um, none of them have done it since like 2006, though. Right. I mean, there was basically like one decade from like 95 to like 2006 where the kicking rules were kind of built for for more returns. But since right. then, I mean, it's kind of yeah, I mean, once they, they, they use kickoffs as a, a vehicle for uh, a vehicle for advertisements, basically. Now, yep. <laughs> like yeah. they've they've uh, not put as much of an emphasis on it. Because yeah, was that about was 06 around the time when they moved it back up from the thirty mm-hmm. to the thirty five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, two more things on Keyshawn. One, learned this week that South Carolina didn't use him in the return game. Yep, seems crazy. Two. Keyshawn is so good that we never bring up the fact that he's Snoop Dogg's nephew. What? Yeah, he's Snoop Dogg's nephew. Holy crap. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he's from he's from I think he's from Long Beach. Um, I had no, I I had no idea. But that's how good of an on field like. Oh my god! Anyone else, they would have been brought up a thousand times of like, hey, the announcer just doing the. Did you know he's Snoop Dogg's nephew <laughs> thing? But like, he's so dynamic with the ball, we never even get to it. That's that's like the Jake Ferguson being Barry Alvarez's grandson. Yeah, thing. Exactly. I would think that you would hear that on every broadcast. Holy yeah. crap! Yeah, I love Keyshawn. I would give him oh. the world. Yep, I would give him the world. Um, the the punt block was weird. I, I looked at it, and the first time I'd seen it on a replay, I thought it was Levitt. I thought Levitt had messed it up. Levitt's the special team's safety who's – I mean, I don't even know if he, like, actually played – I guess he played safety today at the at the end with the backups came on the field. But, I mean, he's a special yeah. teamer. He was playing uh, punt protector, like the, the last guy in the backfield before the punter. Um, and I thought – I mean, he did get ran through. And I was like, oh, he must have been at fault. And then I saw the replay again. Jack Coco just completely missed his assignment. I mean, so basically what happened is there a hat on a hat on the right side of the line on the punt team. And then on the left side, um, Coco works to the left side. And they have four hats for um, three guys. And then two guys are running untouched up the middle right at Levitt. So Levitt just kind of had to abandon his technique and just – try to become a speed bump basically for two guys at the same time. And that's how they ended up getting the punt. So I think that one was on Coco, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you said, they, uh, that, that special teams was a, you know, the, the dumb and dumber moment, right? Yeah. Go and do a thing like that and totally redeem yourself with the uh, blocking on that kickoff return. And yeah. then again, Crosby, the, the 55 yarder off the crossbar, <laughs> like that I was still... divine intervention. Oh my God. I, I'm still like, I, I saw somebody tweet a minute ago that like, it felt big, but it only like changed the Packers win percentage, like 1% because they yeah. were already at like 97% or something. But um, that felt like a big kick. Like, yeah. That felt like a big swing. And then knowing that the Packers were getting the, getting the ball back to start the second half. So, um, and, and everything from, from then on out was, was just gravy and, and all the rest of the operation went pretty smooth. So like, I'm, you know, yeah. If Jake if Jake Coco blocks a guy, that's a, a perfect special teams performance. Yeah. So, and if if Keyshawn Nixon is not the All Pro kick returner, we burn down. I don't know who who we burn down at the AP, but <laughs> I'm not actually going to burn down the AP's office for the record. But like, we we need to we need to have a a, a virtual riot or something here because that guy leading the NFL in kickoff returns. He's leading the NFL in return attempts, first of all, which is which insane because he, he didn't even start getting the job until like week yeah. eight. Uh, he's also Arif, leading... I was talking with Arif about that, yeah. and I was like, he might be first team all pro. And Arif is like, there's no way he's going to do that. He's He got in midseason. I'm like, yeah. dude, he returns everything. He's going to he, like, he's up yeah. there in attempts. Yeah, he, he was coming into this week. He was leading the league in kick return attempts and yards and yards per attempt. <laughs> like, Lafleur was joking that he didn't understand why Nixon didn't return one out of the end zone in the game <laughs> he, he just took it for the touchback and he was like i was getting excited like i'm just used to him returning it now i'm trying to watch him like oh my god it's so much fun to watch that guy i i, I love it and i i i can't believe that we actually are excited to watch kickoff returns this yeah. feels like the first time in my life and shout outs to chris chris burke uh yep. 
that blonde gonna, hair it's gonna look nice to pay on, off you. on that one i can't wait I, i'm i'm so excited to see those photos when uh when he pays up on that uh that wager so that'll be fun i'm sure he'll talk about that on uh on for cheddar worse this week so yeah. stay tuned for that chicka chicka slim shady yeah <laughs> um there was a one last point i wanted to make about special teams and it is not oh ahmed is he going to be active for next game? That sucks that they had to. So playoffs, it doesn't reset, right? The practice squad call. I don't. I don't, I don't so. know. And and that was what I was I was thinking about too. Is did they did they wait for this week and next week because they they re- activated him once earlier in the season? Yeah. So then this week and next week would be his his two and three, and then they'd be done. Yeah. Um. Do they figure since they're going to be on the road for the entire postseason that? they're just going to have Crosby do kickoffs. Like that's, I don't know. That's, that's my guess, I don't but know. you could, I, I still mean, don't know why we in... don't have O'Donnell out there. Yeah. Blast he's, got a, he's, got a, the he's got a bigger leg than Crosby. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. To me. <laughs> I feel like this is very dumb and I'm sure there's a good reason for it, but if you're an NFL punter, you should be able to do kickoffs. You should I... be able to. It doesn't would, make sense to me. You'd think. I don't know. I don't know if there's something weird about kicking off the ground versus, you know, dropping it. But yeah. that's that. I would think that'd be a thing you would practice. So who knows? Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's a podcast. Yeah, sounds like uh, sounds like the schedule for Week 18 is going to be coming out on Monday. They're not going to do okay. it during the during the day today or during the game tonight. So we'll know sometime tomorrow, probably tomorrow morning, Monday morning, um, when this airs. Uh, what time the Packers and, and Lions will play? We'll play next week, but I I, I think we'll still, get Sunday night. I think it's going to be Sunday night, and that would be four Sunday night games for Green Bay this year too, because it was Bears in Week Two, Buffalo, Philly, and then that would do uh, that would be a fourth one, which would be a little crazy. But I just, I think I, it makes more sense than Jags Titans. They're not. Feel, they're they're not. I think they're the going to do Jags Titans for the Saturday game. Yeah, Saturday Is night. It, because the eyeballs, but it does deserve to be, you know, one of those island games. The right. other thing, too, is, and I guess this is, depending on how you look at it, or positive or negative, it doesn't have any other impact on anyone else, really. Like, the only yeah. way that it impacts the playoffs, other than win or go home for, for the AFC South title for Jags and Titans, is um, there's a way that the Jaguars can lose and still make the playoffs, and that would be dependent on a couple other things breaking their way. God. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah. we'll see what happens. As a wild we'll, card uh, team. They would get in as a wild card team. Good but yeah. God. <laughs> uh, I thought the well, AFC was loaded. And then this race is coming down. And I'm like, the AFC South sucks. And whoever gets I mean, that 17, seven seed isn't going to be any better either. Yeah. Miami's falling apart. Like, New England's sort of hanging around. The Jets have just collapsed. Like, it's 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 weird yeah. out there in, in that I, I think you know Herbert and the Chargers are going to be a an interesting an interesting game depending on who they draw in the uh, in the wild card round. So that'll be a little fun. But um, it is better to peak late than or yeah, peak late than it is to peak early. And we Packers, certainly feel better than Dolphins or Jets. Right uh huh. And and the Packers are peaking late. So I will I will take it. We're playing meaningful football in January, man. We're still We're alive. Doing We're doing it. Still alive. One more win, baby. All right, guys, keep it tuned to the feed. Keep it tuned to the website. We'll have injury reports and all that stuff up. We'll have snap counts on Monday. Um, 
probably by the time you're listening to this, the the uh, schedule is probably released, and you'll know when the Packers are going to be playing this upcoming week against the Lions. Uh, sure, we'll have some sort of X and O breakdowns. I want to look at what the heck has been happening with the secondary and the rotation and just <laughs> the scheme that they've been using the last two weeks because it's it's not what it used to be, certainly. Um, they're not just sitting back and playing quarters the entire time. So I'm sure we'll have a bunch of stuff on the site about this win and, you know, kind of looking forward into that Lions game and maybe maybe the playoffs, maybe the playoffs. Yeah. 61% chance on uh, 538. They didn't believe us. Winning we're in. Winning we're in, baby. They didn't believe us. Winning in. Go back up.